Hello and welcome to Immigrantly. I'm your host, Sadia Khan. Today we have a very special guest who is merging the woke field of technological design with that of social impact. Sounds interesting, right? He is reimagining the products so they can be accessible and user-friendly for all, those who are physically disabled and physically abled. Amin Hasni has his hands in many pots, but most notably is the founder or, as I see it, the mind and the machine behind Blue Heart Hero. It's a local Brooklyn organization that provides 3D solutions for amputees. Considering where he is now and the type of work Amin does, you may be surprised to learn about his Iranian upbringing and reasons for immigration. You'll see they are complicated, messy, like most our conversations, but entirely human. Amin's journey is far from ordinary. His experiences are telling of the person he is and the courage he bears to venture outside societal norms. Amin is here today virtually, of course, eager and ready to share about himself with us and the lessons from his past, the highs and the lows and everything in between. So let's welcome Amin. I had no idea what I was supposed to do. So it's like I had to make it work, find a job, do something on the side, pay the bills. So for two weeks I was homeless. Oh, wow. And I couldn't even tell my parents because it was shameful. Hi, Amin. How are you doing? Hi, Sadia. Thank you so much. I'm doing good. Uh, how's everything with you? It's good. So as we are recording this, New York City has entered phase three of reopening. You live in New York City, right? Yes, I live in Brooklyn. Yeah. So how are you readjusting to being able to go out more often now versus when we were in a complete lockdown? Uh, well, now uh, taking the precautions, uh, wearing masks, um, sometimes gloves too, and uh, sanitizing hands, uh, you know, more often during the day. And uh, mostly short visits maybe to the um, supermarket um, or visiting the office once a week. That's like um, keeping it to the minimum, mm. but still, I'm not really comfortable with going to the uh, restaurants that are partially open. I, I believe it's too soon. This is so true because I was in the city the other day for a haircut, which I went after like almost a year um, because my daughters were driving me crazy. And anybody out there who has girls knows how critical they can be. <laughs> so I went and... The city wasn't, it's not the same. The city seems, I don't know how to describe it. There is this tension in the air, which I could feel. And I myself have this psychological barrier to go out because I feel like, you know, I will jeopardize somebody else's health. I will get sick myself. I may expose my right. family. As you said, I don't know when I will feel comfortable going to restaurants, although there are restaurants that are open in New York City. I was there and I could see people sitting outside. 
But I just have to get over that mental barrier, I guess. Right, exactly. So let's talk about your company. As you mentioned, um, you when you go out um, once a week to your um, office, Blue Heart Hero, that's the company. Can you share what your company does? What's the mission? And why did you create it? Sure. Um, so that uh, one time per week visit is to my full-time job. Oh. Uh, we could talk about that later. But um, uh, yes, Blue Heart Hero is the first company I started in the U.S. And it was right after I was introduced to 3D printing. As you know, 3D printing is a new method of um, making things in like physical products. And it doesn't require much advanced technology. And it's accessible almost to everyone around the world right now. It's been around for a long time, but now it's more affordable. Like it's been 10 days that it's been more affordable. Mm. So anyone, any designer or engineer probably has one in their, um, the, at their house. And um, you could buy one for like 300 bucks or 500 bucks. It goes up to even a million, depending on the industry and the quality. So after realizing what this technology can do, that I could design something here, and somebody from any part of the world could 3D print it and have access to the design the same day, I thought, why can't we solve a big problem in the world, which is accessibility to products for people with upper limb difference. Mm. So I started designing 3D printable open source objects that makes everyday products accessible to those people. And instead of looking at them as the problem, we look at the products as the problem. So we're not designing another prosthetic arms. No, we're designing attachments to products that makes them inclusive. So our uh, mission is kind of have this online library of all of these different solutions submitted by anybody because it's open source. Anyone mm. from any part of the world could submit their ideas. And we call it prosthetics for products, kind of looking at it in a different uh, point of view. This is so interesting, Amin, because as you said, you're looking at it from a different angle. So you're f not focusing on individuals, as you said, as problems, but you're looking at objects that they use. It's so fascinating to me. But I am just curious, how did you get into design innovation that caters to the particular population of amputees and say people with physical disabilities? Is there a story behind it? Um, the very first product that I designed was a chair for kids with uh, lower limb differences like mm. or partial lower limb. And it was a chair that could carry uh, them as well as like a wheelchair. So it was motorized. And it was a design which I was, I think, 13 or 14. And I made a prototype in a wooden shop. And back then I didn't have a computer. So everything was like hand-drawn on paper. Mm. And um, I made that design. And someone told me to pitch this to Ikea. So I did. Found a computer, contacted IKEA, told them I have a design. Um, they asked me to send us the design and we'll look at it. And uh, I ended up uh, not sending it, but uh, realizing that I have a lot to learn in product design. Hmm. So um, that was like his start for me to realize product design and development and like um, entrepreneurship is my passion. So learning about different aspects of product design from engineering which I studied mechanical engineering um, in college and learning about industrial design 
rendering, photography, art, business, management, all of that at the same time, kind of like learning how to start a business. But I mean, why this population? Was there a trigger? Was there a reason why you focused on this particular population? I believe they are being ignored. And mm. um, I don't have any friends or family who is struggling with um, any some, any sort of disability. But after starting uh, to work on this subject, I realized um, uh, there are so many people that mm. are having um, hidden disability. So even though it's not you know, visible to the eye, or you cannot really recognize it, but they are dealing with some sort of, um, you know, uh, limitation, and it makes it really hard for them to share that with people, or kind of like express it, maybe in public, like if they have some sort of disability in their arm, they are not welcome to every restaurant. And it's not the restaurant's fault, because they don't know about that uh, sort of problem and right. I, I kind of thought okay if I focus on fixing the products I am not handing over uh, attachments on people's hands and making them even more uncomfortable and right. I'm fixing the problem from the other point of view. Talking about your entrepreneurship you just mentioned that that's something that's your passion. Now the way I see it humans are vessels for ideas right but I find that more often than not these ideas are not realized all the time. In fact, it's less likely that these ideas turn into material things or any directed action. That's how I see it. But people who have succeeded, most obviously, um, fate has to do a lot with that. In some instances, privilege as well and personal drive. So with Blue Heart Hero, what notable steps did you have to take to make it happen or to make this a reality? Um, at the beginning, it was uh, all just hard work hmm. and um, trying to figure out how to file a company and how to do the website, learn how to you know work with Wix and try different platforms. And it's just like learning and trying and failing and you know repeating this whole process. And uh, to a point that other people noticed my passion and hard work and um, the, the good mission behind this company, and they started to, started to join. So, so far we had more than 12 designers who signed up on the website, they shared their design, and more than 30 3D print shops around the world. And at one point we were reached out by this um, Indian gentleman who lost both of his hands in an accident. And um, we sent him the designs, well, it was available on the website, and he found a local 3D print shop and in less than two days. He was using some of our some of our designs, and the same uh, gentleman is designing for Blue Heart Hero now. So now I have two co-founders, um, Jet Tango and Samantha Nolman, uh, which uh, three of us together. Um, it's a completely different dynamic, and the company changed a lot after they joined. I mean, you just mentioned failure, and that you failed time and again, and then you restarted. Where do you get that grit from? Not everybody has that kind of persistence, right? Yeah, that's actually what mm, kind of like differentiates entrepreneurs, uh, successful entrepreneurs from others, is that they never lose hope. Uh, and there is a thin line between uh, working really hard and being delusional. Right. So <laughs> you got to be very careful about that line. 
Because if you fall into the delusional part, you're just wasting time. Yeah. And it's just um, it's a matter of um, experience and um, y- your talent to kind of like figure out a-, a solution. And you know that you're getting uh, somewhere rather than just trying blindly. But how do you know that you're being delusional or not? Like, for instance, if I were to start something, when do I say, okay, enough is enough. I can't do this anymore. This is not going to happen and move on to something else. Personally, I take a break Hmm. and step back, look at it from a different view or ask people that are, uh, that have been uh, great mentors to me. And, um, a lot of the times you notice that you're making a big mistake and with a quick shift, uh, you see that the new doors are opening. Let's switch gears a bit and talk about your childhood. You grew up in Iran and you come from a wealthy family. Your dad is an established person. He's pretty well off. Can you share about that life in Iran and what you remember? Uh, yeah, so uh, I grew up in a uh, relatively, well, we, we, were, we were raised uh, kind of poor, but uh, my dad um, made his money when I was around 14, 15. Hmm. And he had um, multiple successful businesses and then it just grew from that point. And when I was... Um, 17 and when I decided to kind of like uh, follow a career he was uh, trying to push me into uh, working for the family Mm. I was always passionate about product design but it was always like following my dad's footsteps and the tradition and uh, trying to make it work or you know being help to the family rather than creating something uh, from scratch and that entrepreneurial passion in me wanted me to do more rather than follow somebody else and we got to a point that my father told me okay you either uh, choose your way or this way Mm. and my way was for him to support me only for my education and nothing else and his way was that um, I have everything like my I have a car house um, stores companies and everything and you know the the firstborn uh, the only son in the family and it wasn't really, I, I did not earn any of that. Hmm. And there was there was no emotional uh, attachments to any of it. And it just it didn't feel right. So I talked to my dad about moving to the U.S. and trying to make it happen. I had a few um, funding from, uh, f- uh, funding programs from uh, top universities for design, which my dad rejected to support those. So we finally agreed to City College of New York. Hmm. which is a good college, but compared to those, it's much cheaper. And as soon as oh, the, the the night that I came to the U.S., to New York, I remember paying the first deposit for the first semester and I was out of money. Hmm. And I just realized what a mistake I made because I didn't have anywhere to go. And I thought I'm going to a dorm room and the school was like, you didn't sign up for one. And I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do? They're like, you know, just go rent a room. And I had no idea what I was supposed to do. So it's like I had to make it work, find a job, do something on the side, pay the bills. So for two weeks, I was homeless. Oh, wow. And I couldn't even tell my parents because it was shameful. And 
they wouldn't believe me. So for two weeks, just uh, running around, trying like hiding in library in lab laboratories, getting kicked out at three a.m. All my stuff where it was inside, and just and it was in January twenty fifteen, so it was like a lot of snow in New York City, not being being able to uh, afford food. Hmm. Uh, so it was a little tough. But after that, I um, um, started teaching on the side, like um, teaching software, and. Um, like dog walking and everything that I could do, uh, even like painting houses and uh, house sitting and but all of this was like with a family mm. uh, that I met. Um, they were very supportive of um, of me financially in New York, so they would let me you know do the little things for them, and then they would pay me here and there. That paid for uh, my bills for a couple of years, and then until I got my job at the company that I'm in right now. And everything kind of like picked up from them. So I mean, it seems like obviously the expectation versus reality of moving to New York was different, right? And it's clear yes. that um, as a as public, we do not do enough to protect our students, especially um, international students, from hardships like the ones that you faced. Now, all that you've been through, right? Um, and from a place of conviction, and if you had an opportunity, what would you say to, say, our local government and universities about student housing crisis, especially in New York City, which is extremely expensive place to live? I believe if they uh, kind of like ease on uh, the regulations for students uh, doing a side job, that would be a much better help than mm. trying to solve the housing issue because uh, they always find a cheap option and they don't like students don't mind to live in a five bedroom apartment with you know four more people and not having a, a big living space but it is much harder when you are a full-time student and you have all these bills to pay and um, I understand that a lot of time you have to bring the money with you from your country but that's not always the case. Hmm. So when I moved here, all the sanctions with, with Iran happened and any communication other than like phone call uh, and video call with my family was cut off. I couldn't send them anything. They couldn't send me anything, like not even a box of, uh, you know, goodies, nothing. And um, that made it extremely hard. Even if I wanted my dad to help me, it was not possible. But why weren't you able to communicate with your family? Oh, because of the sanctions, U.S. sanctions on Iran. Hmm. So like that made it extremely hard for me to be able to, you know, um, live here. And um, since 2015, when I left my country, I haven't been able to go back, even though I'm legal here. Mm. I have work visa and my parents are still welcome to come here. But the U.S. government won't allow them uh, to visit me, even though it says in the, uh, under Muslim ban that uh, any U.S. resident's immediate family is allowed to come here without any interview at the embassies, but they're getting rejected every time. And the answer is, we can't tell you why, but you're not allowed to go to the U.S. So it's been five years, haven't seen my family, and um, it's just not getting any easier. You know, sometimes people don't realize the kind of impact these policies have on individuals and yes. how these policies change people's lives. People think that these things are done on more um, high level. But when we look at what these policies can do to ruin somebody's life and make it so difficult for them, um, it, it's just mind-boggling and it is so sad. But at the same time, I mean, 
do you have any resentment for your dad for limiting your resources and in a way um setting you up to fail so that you can go back to Iran and work with him yeah that's kind of like the case um they like i i love my parents and like um uh, they're my priority in life and everything that happens is just i put them first but um about my passion there was no support from them from their side and it was harder for me because i had to fight with my own family to be able to achieve my dreams and even to this point um sometimes i believe they don't pay much attention or uh, really care about um my plans in the US and uh they just push me to just simply go back home and uh, that's like uh, a little hard for me to accept so where are you in terms of what do you have decided are you thinking of going back are you going to stay here and make it work with what's happening in Iran i don't see any options for me to work there and um continue what i do because my industry is dying in Iran and like product design development and there's uh, not much space for me to uh, you know to grow and uh, i believe i'm going to stay in the us and with everything that i'm building here the the startups um it m- makes much more sense to just you know stay in the us and so uh yeah i don't i don't really see myself going back when you say what's happening in iran you're referring to us sanctions on iran and how the economy is doing because of that uh us sanctions and the economy uh and everything that has been happening inside the country hmm. is just not in the favor of uh people uh in my age like my generation let's talk about your status as an immigrant entrepreneur interesting title um and i feel like both these words immigrant and entrepreneur are pretty much linked in many ways yes how do you think your entrepreneurial efforts are shaped by your status as an immigrant and how do people view you as an immigrant entrepreneur um definitely the immigrant part is uh holding me down hmm. and it doesn't allow me to do as much as i can so i have to stay um employed by somebody else it can't be my own startup it can't be my friend or any um the other small company it has to be a well established company hmm. and um so that requires 40 to 60 hours a week you know full time job and um it takes a lot of uh energy out of you and it doesn't leave you much time uh to work on your startups so for my full time job i'm the lead product designer of parabit systems in long island mm. we design and manufacture products for major banks and airports in the us so um i can't name the clients because everything like uh, what we do is uh, security and it's all confidential but right. um a lot of big airports in the US and big banks they bought uh, my designs i think more than 10 items i believe and uh, i had a very successful run with this company starting from the lowest level engineer uh getting promoted to the lead designer in less than a year um i i had a good uh experience at this company so um now i'm at a point that 
I could move on and focus on my products, my own startups. Uh, but because of um, this, these regulations on uh, people with uh, immigrants with work visa, mm. we are not allowed to have our own business. Like we can't hire ourselves. We could start companies. We can't just employ ourselves. But will this change once you have green card? Is that yes, something that absolutely. you're hoping to get? Um, I'm working on um, applying, but uh, the president just uh, suspended the immigration uh, department and they don't accept any documents. So until end of this year, I can't even apply. Oh, wow. So th- the whole system right now seems pretty messed up to me. Yes. And um, believe it or not, I'm getting offers from uh, companies in Europe, Canada and China, like directly asking me, do you need money? Do you want to come over? Hmm. Um, do you need funding? And I really don't want to leave because I worked really, really hard for where I am today. And I have just one more step to um, working for myself. And it's just it's, it's really hard to start from fresh. You know, it, I can't see that happening. And it's also a lost opportunity for America. People don't, I don't know why people don't see that. It really frustrates me. I mean, morally, yes. But even economically, it makes so much sense for America to to accept and welcome entrepreneurs like yourself. And it's just mind-boggling to me that even if you were to disregard moral argument, why can't people see the economic benefit of what immigrants bring to this country and what immigrant entrepreneurs bring to this country. It's just frustrating that people are so wound up in their own whatever bubble and thought process. Like it doesn't let them break away from it and see the reality of what immigrants are doing for America. Right. I totally agree with you. So in terms of community of immigrants, I mean, I'm sure you're going through so much. Sometimes probably you feel burnt out. How have you been able to find a community of immigrant entrepreneurs or designers that can serve as a confidants and supporters, a support system of sorts? Um, not um, necessarily with immigrants, but I've been part of uh, some big design communities and um, it, it is a little hard to network, especially in New York, if you don't know many people. Hmm. Like um, those networks that I need with VC firms and angel investors, they all require a referral. Oh. And that's what I'm missing. But I'm slowly building up my network. But um, so far, I've been uh, a member of IDSA, which is uh, the Industrial Designers Society of America, uh, which was great for me because they posted one of my recent products on their website and... Um, they highlighted me as the designer of the week of New York City mm. uh, two weeks ago. And um, th- that community has been very, very supportive. And um, for the recent product that I'm launching uh, very soon, I'm uh, trying to network more. But so far, I don't have any immigrant-based community or uh, supportive group. So what's next for you, given all the restrictions and limitations, being an Iranian living in America, given your dad's own idea of what you should be doing or you shouldn't be doing? Obviously, you you are managing it pretty well. But what's next for you? What are your hopes and dreams at this point? I hope the uh, this whole Muslim ban thing is going to... Uh 
get a result or you know loosen up a little so mm. at least i could see my family because this um this five years and a half it's been really really hard and mm. uh at some points it's sometimes you feel like it doesn't worth it anymore but it's just um that that negative side of you know um being like an immigrant pushes you um but the the entrepreneur entrepreneur side tells you to you know you know one more push um so i believe the next step would be hopefully getting my um uh, paperwork finished and um starting to work for myself and mm. uh, just launch my products and create jobs do more products in the us and help as many people as i can Well, wow, I am really impressed with your commitment. I mean, if I were in your place, I would have given up a long time ago, but you're doing a great job of being focused on one thing and being so committed, and I really applaud you for that. So in the end, I normally ask my guests if they were to define America, how would they do that? So how would you define America? I define it as uh, like the uh, it might sound cliche but it's the land of opportunities mm. uh i know a lot of things has been happening recently with the covid and you know the china's trade war and all the uh you know fights with iran but united states is still the land of opportunities you could be whoever you want to be mm. in this country and that's what i really admire about the us Thank you. I mean, by the way, if people were to look you up or if they wanted to see your designs, is there a website they can go to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my own website is my full name, aminhasani.com, hmm. same as my social media. Um, I have a product launching uh, very soon that I'm very excited about, um, following Blue Heart Hero hmm. and that mission of prosthetics for products. Uh, we came up with an even bigger idea. we called it human friendly designs yeah. and it's all about products that fits everybody so instead of designing things that make everyday products accessible why can't we de- design things that is already accessible and inclusive oh. so we started with a coffee mug that the shape of the handle allows anybody to have a great grip yeah. i call it the best grip because i i love the mug i've been using it for a year we've been producing it in brooklyn and uh, the shape of the handle which is patented in the US it is uh in a way that people with average fingers uh and or parkinson or arthritis or even partial upper limb mm. can lift the mug enjoy a beverage as simply as everybody else so we're calling for human friendly designs and products that doesn't separate us able or disabled we're going to do something for everyone That's wonderful and it is locally produced right it's not yes, produced outside US yes locally produced which is a plus that is great thank you so much i mean thank you for coming yeah thank you very much for your time today wow this episode was intense It's a great example of how government policies impact ordinary individuals and how Iranians are suffering because of current administration's policies. I hope you guys can take this away from the episode and have more empathy with people from Iran and ordinary Iranians who have nothing to do with what Iranian government is doing or the US government is doing. Anyways, 
Come back next week. We will have another incredible story. In the meantime, stay safe, stay distant, and don't forget to check our website, immigrantlypod.com. Take care.